Good morning, family. Good morning, friends. Thank you so much for joining us for uh, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, as we celebrate our risen Lord. Um, we are having a family service today, as you probably have figured out already. And so kids are going to be in here for the remainder of the service with us to worship with us um, and to learn with us and to grow with us. And so parents, you have the freedom to relax. We like noisy environments, and so uh, the kids will not distract us. My daughter brought little pom-poms, and so she's going to be um, probably rustling a whole lot up here. And so rest easy and relax as we worship together. Uh, we are going to take a break, as Becky mentioned at the beginning of the service, uh, from our series through the book of Acts, and just focus on what does this mean? What does Easter mean to us? And what do we celebrate on this great Sunday? But before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, thank you so much for today, a day that we can come together and celebrate you, a day we can come together and praise your holy name, where we can remember how you have saved us through the sending of your son, how you have saved us through his death and his resurrection, how you have saved us through, through the removal of our sin and the life given to us when we are united to him by faith. Lord, I just pray for this time as we open up your word, that you bring it to life in our minds and our hearts, that we can see the truth of what Easter means, that we can see the truth of what it means and why it matters to us. Lord, we love you, we seek you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hope. Everyone's looking for hope. Everyone wants hope. But in our day and age, in our society, we're actually undergoing a crisis of hope. In the recent past, people have been optimistic about the future. They thought history was progressing. The human race was moving forward, making advancements in, in societal ways as well as in scientific ways, and the world was becoming greater, more prosperous, giving us greater safety, freedom, and comfort than ever before. And it's true in many ways. Things are good. The world now, at least in our circle, is better than it's ever been before. In material terms, we have more advances and more comfort and more freedom and prosperity than the world has ever seen. But that's all materially speaking. Because in the midst of this success or this trend upward, there's also growing anxiety and depression, ever-increasing isolation maybe an increasing lack of trust for those who are in authority, and has not helped this last year in the midst of a global pandemic when the world has been turned upside down, where civil unrest seems all too common, it doesn't even make the news anymore, where lies and falsehoods just fly around and we don't know what to believe anymore, when tensions are rising between generations Tensions rising between political parties. Tensions rising between neighbors. We've been left, we can be left thinking, what's next? And when is the next shoe going to drop? Looking ahead, we can ask the question, does the world at large have hope? Do they look towards tomorrow and think it's going to be better than today? Do they look forward towards the future and think there's something they're headed towards, something that gives them meaning and purpose, and we look around, it doesn't seem so. And at that moment is when, where the Christian message steps in. 
For we have hope even in the midst of a world that seems hopeless. We have hope because we have hope in a risen Savior. And I must be clear, when I say hope, I'm not talking about how the English language has used the word hope, which is kind of weak. Because if you looked up the word hope in a dictionary, you'd probably come across a definition kind of like just the, the, to want something or to wish something would be true or to happen. We use hope kind of like wishful thinking. Man, I really hope I get that for my birthday. Man, I really hope this happens. This is wishful thinking. But that's not the kind of hope we have. We have the hope as the Bible defines hope, which is profound certainty. That we have hope in the truthfulness of who God is and who Jesus is. And because we have hope in the risen Savior, we know what awaits us. We know where we're headed. And that is certain. So certain that it redefines our life, reorients our life, and it gives meaning to everything we do. We have hope in our risen Lord, which is why we celebrate Easter. And we take the time out of our busy lives to reflect on this monumental fact that our Savior came to live for us, to die for us, but he wasn't done. He rose from the grave for us, conquering death sin, and the devil, that he has accomplished salvation for us. For this is the truthfulness that we see, the true uh, story we see from the Bible. And so we're going to look at the word of God here in a second, and we're going to look at two different passages, one that shows us what happened on Easter morning and one that helps us understand why that's important. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 20, and if not, it's going to be on the screen here. As we read what happened that first Easter, it says this, sorry, in verse 1 of John chapter 20. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, then he, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded in a place by itself. And then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in and saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead, then disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, seeing where the body of Jesus had laid, had laid, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to him, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and, to, and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. 
These are the events that happened that very first Easter morning when the disciples came to the tomb and they saw it empty, that Jesus actually had rose from the grave, that he was alive. He was no longer among the dead. And, but it's no good just to know these events and that Jesus actually rose from the dead, but we have to actually focus on what does it mean? Why is it important to us that Jesus rose from the grave? This is what we celebrate as Christians at the core of our faith. And in one sense, every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Because every Sunday we gather together and we proclaim the truth that our Savior is living. But it's good that we gather together occasionally and remember it, especially taking a special moment. Because all too often we kind of forget about the resurrection. We focus on the cross rightly because that's where we, we see how that's how Jesus paid our debt and how he, he absolved us our sin and how he brings us in reconciliation to the Father. But sometimes we kind of don't know what to do with the resurrection, so we put it aside and only mention it on Easter. So we need to know why is it important to us. And so let's turn to another passage that shows us why the resurrection is important. This is in 1 Peter chapter 3. I mean, chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. This is Peter talking, writing to churches, and he says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter's telling us why does this matter? Because we have a living hope in the living Savior. This is what the resurrection brings to us. That we have a living hope in our living Savior. A living hope. It's not a cold dead hope. It's not just an intellectual belief. It's a living hope that grabs hold of us and carries us through. It's a living hope that will keep us going in the darkest days. It's a living hope that shows us that we will too will live with our Savior in the end. It's telling us where we're going. We have a living hope in the living Savior. But hope is only as good as what we're hoping in. The object of our hope gives hope validity or, or makes, sure, makes it a worthwhile. If someone is very hopeful in their basketball team, making you know, a certain bracket, doing well, winning, which we all might have been, our hope is only as good as the team's skill, as the player's ability. It rests on that. If someone's hope is climbing that corporate ladder or gaining that promotion, their hope rests on their own ability to achieve that end. If someone's hope rests on their political party, then their hope is resting on the goodwill and the, and the, the character of people in power. Our hope, hope, any hope, is only as good as what we're hoping in, the object for our, of our hope. So what sort of hope is Peter talking about in this passage? Well, he says we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our hope comes from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our hope comes to us because 
our Lord has risen from the grave. And so our hope is based on this fact that Jesus is who he said he is, that he did what he said he was going to do, and that he's still alive, interceding for us, and he'll come back again one day for us. We have a living hope in the living Savior. And so what is our kind of hope? It describes it as a living hope. Well, there's kind of two ways we could take this. We could say, well, it's a living hope because our living hope is in this living Savior, and so our hope is as much as alive as our Savior is alive. And because he's alive, we have hope in him. That's one way we could take it. We could also take it in this way that we have hope, a living hope, because our hope is not just in this life, but our hope is in life triumphing over death. That our, We have a hope that we are going to be alive with Christ for eternity. That we are going to have a resurrection just like he experience that that is what awaits us and both of these are true that our hope rests on this living savior and our hope is that we'll have life and that is what pulls us forward both of these are the truth of the bible that we have this hope a hope when we trust in christ as alive in us that pulls us forward and we know where we're headed and we know what's going to happen we have this hope because christ rose from the grave conquering sin death in the enemy. We have a living hope in the living Savior. And so while our hope comes through the resurrection, when we read the passage in 1 Peter, we ca- I cannot help but see how it's based on, founded on God. That our hope is not in ourselves. It's not our hope. It's not even on how well we trust in this living Savior. Our hope is first and foremost founded on God and what he has done for us. If you read that passage, you see all the language just pointing back to God again and again. And we see that again and again. And that's why it starts with praise. Blessed be our Father, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. It starts praising. Why? Because Peter knows it's founded on who God is. And look how he phrases it. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He takes it in familial terms. Our hope is not just on the Almighty God, which He is. Our hope is not just on our Creator, which He is. Our hope is on our Father, the Almighty God who loves us as only a Father can love us. The Almighty God who profoundly reorganizes our identity to come to be His kids. Our hope is on Him. Our hope carries not just God, but He is Almighty Father in heaven. As we look at this language, we see that it's according to his great mercy that we have this hope in the resurrection. It's not about us. It's according to his great mercy. His great mercy is poured out on us, and because of that, now he causes us to be born again. Again, the initiation is his. He changes us. He brings us into his family. God does this, and we praise him because of it. I praise him because of it, because it was left on, on my hands. I would fumble it. I would mess up. I could not carry this, but praise be to God that he is the one who does it. He is the one who causes it to ha- be happen, that we are now brought into his family and we rejoice and trust that he gives us hope. And this hope, this is not something that is temporal. This hope 
is an inheritance described as imperishable, undefiable, unfading. This hope is based on God and is in his hands. It's never going to go away. We can't do anything that's going to get taken away from us. Because again, what is an inheritance? It's given to us. No one does anything to actually earn an inheritance. It's not wages. But an inheritance is given to us, and it's given to us by God as from his great mercy, as he loves us, as he points us to Christ, as he demonstrates his love, that why we're sinners, he sent Christ to die for us and rise for us. This is what the resurrection means, that we have this living hope, a living hope that gives life to us, a living hope that changes us, a living hope that causes us to be born again because we know the truth of who Christ is. We know the truth of the gospel. That our Savior, Jesus Christ, who was truly God and truly human, he was born as the Virgin Mary. He came and he lived a life that we could not live so that he could truly represent us purely and so that he could be righteous in our stead and that he then died the death that we all deserved. Because God himself, he could, separate, he could cross that gulf that separated God and humanity and bring us back to our creator. And so we know that through his life and through his death and now through his resurrection that we have new life. A hope that's going to be finally revealed when he comes back, but a hope that we will be with him forever. A hope that's going to carry us through no matter what happens in this life. A hope that we will be in that relationship we are made to be with our maker, with our God. And it's all based on him and how he achieved this for us. The author and pastor Tim Keller says like this, the fact of the resurrection means that we have hope for the future, not based on scientific advance, or social progress, but on God himself. Our hope rests on God. Our hope rests on the surety that he is who he said he, was, he is, and he does what he said he was going to do. He brings us back into relationship with him. We have a living hope in the living Savior. This hope comes through Jesus Christ and his resurrection, so we best know who Jesus is. And that's the core of the gospel is knowing who Jesus is. And, and when you think about the good news of Jesus Christ, you can almost break it down into three ways. Because we got the good news of who Jesus is. That he is the uh, eternal son of God who humbled himself, who took on human flesh, the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one of God who came to live for us, who is the redeemer, the promised child, the true Israel. This is who the Messiah is, who Jesus is. We have the good news of what this Christ does for us or has done for us. That he lived that perfect life that we could not live. He died the death that we deserved. That he rose from the grave as we celebrate today conquering sin and death and showing us what awaits us with God. We also have the good news of what he, is, he brings. For when Jesus rose from the grave, he brought in, he ushered in the start of the new creation. 
that has a taste, it's a little foretaste of what awaits us. It's a little a glimpse of the life we'll have with God that when he rose from the grave, the new order of the, of the cosmos was coming in, that his kingdom was advancing, and we see that we could have that too if we have faith in him. That he brings us the Holy Spirit that connects us and puts that seal upon us so that we can be assured we'll be with him at the end. This is the good news, the gospel, the good news that gives us hope. A hope that doesn't just rest on us, but rests on who God is. You know, the good thing about good news is that it's good news. It's not good advice. It's not good instructions. It's a good declaration of what has been done. And so when you hear the gospel, you're not hearing, get your life together, do better, be better. What you're hearing is, Christ has done this. Christ has saved you. Christ stood in your stead. Christ took your sin upon himself. Christ rose from the grave, defeating death that you can never defeat, defeating the sin that plagued you that you can never defeat. He rose from the, the, the dead so that you too could have life forever with God. And so the good news is, it is done. It is finished. Christ has achieved salvation for us. And that is why we have hope. We have a living hope in the living Savior. You know, too often, sometimes we hear this, and we might have heard it a whole lot. We might have grown up in church and heard this. We might have heard it from friends and family members. And sometimes we believe it, and sometimes maybe it just kind of glances off our brains because our brains because we like, I've heard this before. And we kind of keep it at distance. It doesn't seem relevant for our life. But it is, because our living Savior calls us by name. Let's go back to John 20 that we just read, when Mary encounters the risen Savior. And what happens there? Mary's at the tomb, and she's blinded by grief. She's blinded by her preconceived notions that Jesus is dead. And so she actually even ignores his angels who talk to her. She turns around and she can't recognize Jesus right before because she thought she was looking for a dead body. And here stands her risen Lord. And she's lost in this place. And she represents and illustrates humanity without Christ. That humanity without Christ cannot see Christ. For humanity without Christ doesn't want anything to do with God because we're lost in our own preconceived notions and heading our way, wanting to do our own thing. And so that's where we'll stay, doomed to be alone, separated from our God for eternity on our own. But praise be to God that he does not stand idle. He calls us by name. You know, there's something about hearing your name that just grabs your attention. You can be in a crowded environment, and you hear your name, and your head pops up. Like, what's going on? Someone called my name. This happened just last night. I was at a, a, at a, a party for uh, Terry and Crystal, and uh, I was sitting at a table, and there were some ladies from the church over here with my mom in them, and I heard my name, and my head popped up. Because I was like, what are they talking about? Why was my name mentioned? Names grab our attention. Our, our personal name pulls our attention. But we, we know that. Names have power like that. They, they grab hold of us. Whether it's your parent who's double naming you, you're all of a sudden your middle name comes out, and you're like, oh, no, I'm in trouble. 
Or is the name called by a loved one and you know that you're known and loved? There's something about being called by your name. And Jesus calls us by name. That's what I believe we see in John chapter 20. Where Mary, lost, confused, doesn't know where her, her Savior is, where the body is, just wants to find that. And what does Jesus do? He says one simple word. Mary. She knows who he is. She turns to him. Proclaims teacher. And apparently grabbed hold of him since she's like, hey, you don't need to cling to me. She hugs him because she sees him. That he, he broke through by calling her name. That he initiated it. He cleared her blindness. Tim Keller again says, Christian salvation is never our attainment. A prize after a long struggle while God waits for us. No, he comes to us and wakes us out of sleep. It's always a gift of grace. It's the same for us. Because just like Jesus calling Mary's name, Jesus, our Savior, calls our names. Look upon me, he says. Know the truth of how I've saved you. Know the truth of how you can have relationship with your Savior, your God, through me. He calls us by name. He personally knows us. He invites us into that intimate, personal relationship so that we, too, can be saved. And in knowing our Savior, who calls us by hope, I mean, calls us by name, we have hope. We have hope because a Savior who knows us by name is not all of a sudden going to forsake us. A Savior who has come for us and lived for us and died for us is all of a sudden going to say, nah, I'm not going to finish this task. A Savior who knows us personally, loves us personally, and is going to bring us to completion and bring us home. We have a living hope in the living Savior. So have you been looking for hope? Have you been searching for something to make sense of this world in your life? Have you tried looking towards social progress, hoping that this will be the betterment of society, only to see stuff turn uglier and things don't seem to change? Have you tried to look towards scientific progress, thinking new inventions will save the human condition or change humanity is, but only to see humans use these great tools for great evil? Have you looked for hope in maybe just yourself? Maybe I can just be better. I can do better, only to fail again and again and struggle with the same things. All these things, all these things that we look for hope in will fail us, will let us down because they do not bring a lasting hope. They can't bear the weight of our expectations, but God can. God is big enough, strong enough, perfect enough, and loving enough that we can hope in him and never be disappointed. To hope in God, to be profoundly certain of who he is and how he has moved heaven and earth to bring your Savior to you so that you could respond and you could have life in him is to truly have hope, a hope that carries us through to the end, who carries us home to be with our maker. You want to know hope? 
know God. You want to know God? It's not just facts about God, but it's personally, intimately knowing God. And you might say, well, how can I do that? How can I intimately know the, the uncomprehensible God, the maker of heaven and earth? You know Jesus Christ. For with knowing Jesus Christ, you know God. For knowing Jesus Christ, the one who calls you by name, you can know who God is and know that life that awaits you. The one who saves us from sin. The one who saves us from wrath. The one who saves us from everything we've done wrong. The one who brings us into a new life. When we know him, we know Jesus, we then will know God. And if we know God, we will know hope. A hope that won't disappoint us. Which is why on Easter, especially on Easter, we can say, we have a living hope in the living Savior. Join me in prayer. Dear Father, thank you so much for who you are, for your love, for your grace, for your this great redemption plan, the salvation plan that you've worked out throughout time that we can read about in the Bible that brings us to this place of celebrating the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the fact that through faith in him, we can be connected to you. Through faith in him, we can be forgiven our sins. We can be given his righteousness, that we can stand before you as sons and daughters of the Most High. Thank you, Lord, for this truthfulness, for this, this, this hope that you've given us. Lord, we pray for everyone here that we know that hope, a hope that only comes through knowing who Christ is. It's knowing how he has risen from the grave for us. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand up with us. So we can sing all come to the elders. thinking about the opportunity that the Lord gives us every day to come to him.